Hello and welcome to the Education Redefined webcast series, where I uncover educational best practices and share success stories with every single episode. Go ahead, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink and enjoy a few moments talking about teaching and learning with me. Hi, my name is Sandhya Lakhanpal and I am your host for this series. Subscribe to our webcast or look out for new episodes on YouTube. Join our Facebook group for the latest trends in the field of education. In this episode of Empowering Students with Dyslexia, I speak with Dr. Tracy Whedon, the President and CEO of Nyehouse Education Center. Founded in 1980, Nyehouse has been a pillar of support for students with dyslexia for 41 years. Nyehouse has touched many lives, including those of teachers, parents, and students by providing critical resources. As an educational nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting reading success for all, Nyehouse empowers our community by providing evidence-based professional development to educators, information and resources to parents, and direct services to adult learners. Dr. Whedon is a seasoned, passionate leader dedicated to advancing literacy and academic excellence. Prior to serving Nyehouse, Dr. Whedon was the Executive Director of Academic Planning for Scholastic Achievement Partners. Dr. Whedon spent several years as the Assistant Superintendent of Curriculum, Instruction and Assessment for Houston ISD. As a graduate of U University of Detroit, Dr. Whedon has several accolades, which include a master's and a doctoral degree in educational leadership from the University of Houston. During this conversation, you will hear about resources made available through Nyehouse and how to access them. As Dr. Whedon says, nobody should walk this journey alone. Let's build a village to empower students with dyslexia. Listen as Dr. Whedon talks about the history of Nyehouse, identifies key resources for students, and shares her vision for success. Dr. Whedon, thank you for joining us for this uh, webcast podcast series today. I appreciate you taking the time to um, talk us through the history of Nyehouse and what support Nyehouse provides. Honored to be here with you, Cynthia. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll jump right in. I know that um, Nyehouse has been a pillar of support since 1980s. I know there's a lot of parents and, I, um, and teachers who have benefited, me included. Um, can you walk us through how did the concept of Nyehouse come into existence? What brought it up? Why was it established? Wonderful question. It, it is hard to believe it's been actually 41 years of good work. In 1978, the Houston branch of Orton uh, Dyslexia Society was established here in Houston by a group of parents. Those parents had scholars with dyslexia, and they saw that there was misinformation all around, no clear supports for children with dyslexia, and they believed that just as their children had received services, other children deserve to receive those services. So the year I graduated from high school, um, it was officially um, founded. The Nyehouse Education Center a Memorial Foundation was established in the honor of W. Oscar Nyehouse. And um, actually there was a choice between a fire station in terms of the funders who were behind honoring this gentleman who was the first president of the Orton Dyslexia Society. 
or having a learning center. And thank God they chose the learning center. And it's just remarkable how many lives have been transformed because of 40 years of good work and now 41 years in spite of the pandemic, I might add. Yes. So that's where it started. Um, Lennox Reed was the first executive director, the first person to be trained. Um, she actually um, went to Scottish Rite and received their Orton Gillingham-based training in alphabetic phonics. And then they launched the first cl class of eight people. And it's just remarkable when you think about that mustard seed of a beginning and what has happened out of that over 41 years, um, which brings us up to today where we were confronted with the challenge of the COVID uh, cliff. Right. You know, everyone was facing this unknown, you know, what's on the other side of this and uh, pretty interesting things that have happened in spite of those challenges. There are always opportunities if we frame it with a way that keeps our power in our hands. Um, so I know we'll get to talk a bit more about that too. Yes, yes. Um, so what an incredible history and what an incredible vision Nye House has been. And I know that, that Nye House has touched millions of lives and parents and, and through teachers, right? Teachers just, just are, are sharing that vision of Nye House that you have, you have bestowed upon them. So walk me through how the needs of teachers and parents have transitioned in the last 41 years or so. Have you seen a significant shift from when Nye House started out? Oh my goodness, yes. There's a seismic shift happening right now. Parents are finding their power and they recognize that you know, what we've learned, an adult can graduate from high school and not be able to read. Come to our program as adult literacy students, learn to read. So that makes it quite clear that there was that opportunity from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. and, and parents have found their voices nationally. Um, there are different movements, like one of our, um, I call friendly organizations we partner with, the Reading League. They're establishing chapters all over the country to help build awareness that this is a defining moment and a defining movement. But really the parents of children with dyslexia were the match to the flame that lit this change that's happening. And other parents are also recognizing this is a knowledge economy. In the 21st century, if my scholar can't read, they won't have a place at the table. And so how do I make sure that there's a new social contract ensuring that regardless of the zip code my child comes from, mm -hmm. they learn to read. Right. It's a human right now, really, that's just crucial to the future of any individual in society today. Right, right. Interesting. Yes, it's one of the basic needs, right? It, it, it is. That's your, it's a life skill. It sets you up for success right in the beginning. And, and yes. why limit it to students with dyslexia? It is, it is a, it is a, should be available to the wider audience, right? Like you said, any zip code, um, any background, any economic strata, it should be widely available, just like it's a human right, essentially. Absolutely. And it shouldn't matter what dialect I'm loved in or what language I'm loved in. Exactly. exactly. Children have amazing brains and they can learn. And in spite of some of the challenges, if they're navigating the war zone of poverty, you know, they're there are challenges they may be confronted with, but they can overcome them. And the trans, the, the family tree can be transformed 
through literacy. And I'm living, breathing proof of that because I'm a I'm an inner city girl from Detroit. I came from very humble beginnings. I'm the oldest of seven. I know for sure that it was literacy that was that lifeline for us that allowed us to soar and to achieve dreams we couldn't even imagine. And so I'm compelled to pay that forward. Right. For me to just enjoy the currency and not make it available to as many children as I can across the country and the world, we right. need to do that. Right. So Dr. Beaton, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper. You opened the door to the conversation about how your background comes into play. I want to, I want to really interested in asking what encouraged you to be part of this mission of Nye House? It all starts with my mother, whose name is Bessie White. Okay. And my parents um, came out of abject poverty. My mom was one of those kids who was highly mobile. She probably went to 14 different schools. And so she had academic gaps. I'm pretty certain that somewhere on the continuum, she's also dyslexic. She was determined that the seven of us would be avid readers. And we didn't even know she was a struggling reader because she did have some foundational skills and she taught us everything she could. But she made sure we lived in the library, that we were just saturated in the opportunities to read. Before Oprah's book club, there was Bessie's book club. So uh, she knew it somehow that if we had the ability to write in the language of power, read in the language of power, and express our ideas in the language of power, we would have a place at the table. And she was right. And when I look at my extended family members, those who struggled did not have that currency. Mm -hmm. And so I'm no better than they are. So what was the differentiator? Even when I didn't have great classroom instruction, I would pull a book out of my backpack and I educated myself. So if we give children that foundation, and even better, if we articulate understanding the structure of the English language all the way through, they become a, you know, a senior in high school when it may be morphology I'm digging into. It doesn't stop with early literacy. It shouldn't stop. Then when it's time for the workforce, I'm ready. Right. When it's time for college, I'm ready and I can navigate my way through. Now, there are other barriers, but at least that won't be a barrier. Okay. And we know that literacy is the mother of every other content area. So if I want to be a scientist, I need to be apprenticed in the literacy of science. Mathematician, can I speak, read, and present my ideas like a mathematician? Every teacher has skin in the game when it comes to literacy. Right, right. And, and books open doors. They, they, you know, you can learn about the world sitting in your bedroom through the window of a book. That's how I feel about it. Um, so talking about community support, I know that Nye House does a lot in terms of not just supporting teachers, but parents as well. And I know there is a lot um, on the front of adult literacy as well that Nye House offers. So can you give me a glimpse of how has Nye House co contributed to the community, school districts, parents along the way in these 41 years? Absolutely. Well, uh, Family Support Office was established and funding was provided so that we could provide adult literacy services. What is unique about Nye House is that all of our teachers are academic language therapists. They are dyslexia therapists, huge differentiator. So. Some students, when they graduate from high school and they're struggling readers, they go to maybe a community college. They're often referred to us because if they're dyslexic, they can't serve them. They don't have the skilled staff to do that. 
And when they come to us, it's just remarkable how their family circumstances are just transformed. One good example, a mother and daughter are actually coming to our class, our classes and found out they're dyslexic. Well, the, the little girl, the granddaughter, it turns out is also dyslexic. You know, 40 to 60% chance of a parent is dyslexic that the scholar will be. Well, instead of this child falling through the cracks, she is a thriving fourth grader because they were able to make sure she received services through early identification. And that's part of the big picture for me too. It's not just about intervention, it's about prevention. And part of preventing reading failure is early identification of children with those red flags and serving them and closing those gaps as quickly as we can and as strategically as we can. And you mentioned teachers. Teachers are my VIPs. They are absolutely essential. And when they are, when they're empowered to be diagnostic and prescriptive as their as practitioners, it just is transformative, regardless of the classroom, the setting, the community. However, what we've learned in our work is leaders, leaders must also be apprenticed to understand this work so they can support teachers in the way they deserve and so that they don't unwittingly become a barrier to best practices. And when leaders are aligned to teachers, and then the most important piece we find, it's not just professional learning, but as you experience, it's also coaching, is that feedback and getting that person alongside you as a shoulder partner to ensure that you're applying with fidelity those practices. And when that happens, um, the research shows that you go from maybe 5% acquisition of pedagogy and knowledge to 95% application at the classroom level. And so we've really dedicated a lot of time and energy into our coaching model, because whether we're coaching a leader or a teacher, they are set up for success and they don't give up because I don't know how to do this. Well, it's hard work, as you know, learning <laughs> the, the, the strategies and the approaches. And so they deserve that coaching and support to be successful. Right, right. What a powerful method of what I'm hearing is Nighthouse has really done that 360 degree angle view of taking care of every stakeholder, right? You've gone from leader all the way down to the child. You've talked about coaching, empowering the leaders, the teachers, the parents and the kids. What, what, a, what, a, deep, what a deep message and what a mission to empower the whole society. So let me, let me pivot a little bit to dyslexia. Because sure. that's where this whole whole concept of Nyhaus started, um, and and you know the, just the diagnosis of dyslexia, and there's just so much, so many myths and misconceptions around that diagnosis, right? You've been let's let's say I'm a parent who just got the diagnosis that my child is dyslexic, and you know there's this this flurry of emotions that just goes through a parent, right? I can't even imagine. Like, where do I start? And then I know that the school system does the testing and hands over the resources, but for someone who has just been handed over that diagnosis and all of those resources, I, as a parent, wouldn't even know where to start. Right? Yes. So, so if I came to you as a new parent who is just starting out and learning the steps of the ladder, how to advocate for my child and what resources exist, where can this parent start and what kind of resources can Nyhouse offer to that parent? I'm so glad you asked that question because parents should not have to walk through this journey alone. It can be extremely overwhelming. 
And if they have tried to get help in the school system and people aren't able to really hear what they're saying, they get so frustrated. You know, they might get the, he's just developing, it's developmental, but that gut tells them, no, there's something else going on here. We have a family support office and they're welcome to call Nye House Education Center. They're welcome to go to our website. And we have a team that will bring them into a conversation about their scholar. Let's understand those barriers from your perspective as a parent. Let's look at all of these details. And then let's be diagnostic about next steps. Let us walk you through how to get to where you need to with your scholar and also empower you to advocate for your scholar in a way that is successful. Give you the strategies, the tools, the, the access to referrals and resources that will help you. Now, some of our resources are free and there are a ton of free resources that parents can activate and use. We have a speaker series where they can learn a lot. Uh, we have a college share where it may be their kid is in college and they can hear from others who have learned to advocate for themselves and ask for accommodations, et cetera. So we have a plethora of resources. We have videos. Maybe there's a parent who wants to do that reading at night and be a little more intentional and they can use some strategies to help from home. Mm -hmm. So it's wide ranging and um, so crucial. The consistent thing I hear from parents who, whose kids shift from a non-reader to a reader. I, I can think of a, one gentleman who he and his wife are PhDs and she's homeschooling their children and their kid was in third grade and couldn't read. Mm -hmm. Well, she became a certified academic language therapist. In this case, that was the answer for them. It turns out two of their four are dyslexic. Well, their son can now read. He's an avid reader. He's empowered. But what he said is before we were so stressed, there was so much tension. We were so afraid. So they shift from fear to opportunity. Right. And that's a big shift. Right. And, and empowerment, right? You empowered them by giving them the tools for success. What an incredible story. Um, so I know... The challenges for a child with reading disabilities or who potentially has dyslexia are as is, you know, a lot in a regular classroom, right? You can you can yes. have class, you can have a child with dyslexia sitting in a regular classroom who is completely oblivious of what is going on in the classroom, especially where reading, you know, becomes really, really heavy. Coupled with the fact that now we are, this is year two of the pandemic. Um, yes. We were just thrown it last March, we were just thrown into it. And a lot of teachers have had to re-engineer, reimagine their classroom completely a lot in the virtual environment. What tools has Nyhouse provided in, in this new environment where we've had to pretty much turn our classroom upside down to these students? Exactly. Well, I mentioned earlier, one of the most important things is being able to coach virtually. So when teachers are hitting that wall and they need that oxygen mask for themselves, because there are all the other things that are just overwhelming, we can have that guide by the side to help you be thoughtful and intentional about how to make it work. We provide quite a few free resources to districts. And so they could just tap into those at the top of the pandemic and, and quickly pivot in using um, virtual ways of serving their scholars. And it was really successful. It made a big difference. We were able to shift some of our uh, things that were paper-based to digital ba digitally based, that was also very, very well received. Um, and it's, it's interesting, I'm gonna backflow to something you said earlier about you know 
hitting different marks and making sure that we're creating the safety net. One of the most important ones I'd say, having watched my sons go through student teaching this semester and graduate oh, wow. yes, successfully, wow. certifying to teach both of them, um, is the student teaching experience. Are our universities prepared to apprentice pre-service teachers in the science of reading? Mm-hmm. Are they really getting them ready for that shift? Because if they're getting them ready, we need to get ahead of that challenge. We don't want to wait until teachers enter the classroom to provide them with the uh, support that they need to understand the nature of the work and how to implement, right? We wouldn't get on a plane with a pilot who'd been reading a book and say, oh, let's take off everybody, I'm ready to fly this plane, right? And we want them to have a co-pilot. So I think we need to backload to that dynamic, to the classroom teacher. And, and so this is a moment. COVID has provided us with a moment to just catch our breath and rethink education, I think, completely. And getting at those root causes and those barriers, COVID has exacerbated and created even a bigger divide. Not only do we see the academic divide more starkly, but the digital divide amplifies that, mm-hmm. right? So, so we're about being innovative and being creative and is seizing this moment. I call it the COVID chrysalis. Mm-hmm. And at the top of the pandemic, I told my team, I don't know how we're going to deliver services, but you do. You have the answer. So let's put our heads together. Let's do this marvelous pivot. And the ironic thing is we're serving more teachers than we've ever served before. So we found the lemonade in the lemon. And the rest is the best is yet to come. Yes, yes. And and the resources you provide doesn't have to be limited to the local population here in Houston. It, it, it can reach the wider audience. Why just the United States? I mean, I know Naya House has reached in other countries. India, for instance, completely shut down and the students out there are struggling for education. And yes. I know that Naya House provides resources internationally, not just the national base, which is, Absolutely. Which is just awesome. Um, Let me add one point to that. I just because you happen to have the perfect timing. Tonight we'll launch our first Hong Kong cohort of teachers in training through Nye House. Wow. Virtually. And it became it, it was possible because we had someone training as a count who had face-to-face for the first level of training, moved to Hong Kong and thought, oh well, I guess it's over. But then she found out we made this pivot to virtual. So she was getting up at 10 to 4 a.m. to train with Nye House to become a count. And I was so impressed. I called her. I said, I got to meet you. And when we started to talk, she said, there's so many people here who need this. Right. And I said, well, why not? You're on a couple of boards. See if anybody wants to participate. So she went to her dyslexia boards and they said, yes. And, the, and here we go tonight, launching our first Hong Kong cohort. Wow. Wow. Can I, I know this wasn't on our on our list of, of things to cover, but you've opened a window of opportunity for me here, you know, with the Hong Kong cohort that you're talking about and, and a lot of other countries. And, and I'm going to use India as an example, because I, I think the, the, the knowledge about dyslexia identification advocacy lacks in a lot of our developing countries. And if somebody was interested from, say, from another country, in Asia or what have you in the world to start a cohort like this or to access the resources in my house, where can they start? Who can they reach out to? Where can we open that window of opportunity? They can reach out to me. Okay. They're welcome to reach out to me. And it's all about timing. When I first started with my house almost six years ago as CEO, 
and president. A gentleman from the Middle East came to me and wanted to do something like we're doing in Hong Kong. And I was just so hurt because I couldn't figure out how to do it, but they wanted me to fly people to, to that country. And at that time, it wasn't a safe place to fly to. So I'm like, how do I help them? What do I do? I couldn't figure it out. Well, then the pandemic hit. And that created the space for us to rethink everything. And we had grown to the degree where we were ready for something different. So I would say it's about a conversation. It's about being flexible and creative because really it's just the distance between us nationally and internationally is now just so small because of technology. Right. And, and it's often sometimes a, a matter of having people who have a vision to invest in a different kind of a model. And so right now what I'm working with my team on is let's prep the system for change where we can have even a bigger reach, a bigger footprint to do more good work, more mission work. Yes. Um, so it's all about, it starts with a conversation, just like that young lady. And who would have thought that in the midst of a pandemic, it would happen this way. Right, right. And there are so many such success stories, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I will tell you this, that, uh, you know, and I, again, I keep going back to India because I, that's just an example that I can relate to. But there's mm-hmm. there's so much education that needs to happen in some of these developing countries, right? Where, uh, you know, they they look at it as a detriment. It's still looked at as a, as a negative to be identified with dyslexia um, or autism. And they don't know that there are so many tools available so readily, such tangible resources as NIHAS provides to set these students up for success. Um, and, and, and I think that's where, where education and access to resources like the ones that Ninehouse provides comes into play, is if we were to match the people looking for this information with the tools that you're providing, yes. we, can, we can expand our footprint, we can you know, make education readily accessible around the world. It doesn't oh, reserved for the privileged or the first world countries. Um, Sandhya, I want to, I want to, I want to couple your, with your really well put the comment. Yes, yes, and yes. And, and even in our own country, what's our moonshot going to be so that we can be better at helping our neighbors? Right. 50% of prison inmates in our country are dyslexic. Right. We are squandering human potential, squandering it when we know 40% of successful entrepreneurs are also dyslexic. So we have all of these potential entrepreneurs who might have the cure for cancer, who might have the, some of the solutions that we're seeking. We don't even know, you know the problems that we're gonna to have to encounter. They have those answers, but we haven't cultivated and developed our human capital, our people, our, our, our treasure. Our, so it, it, it's that for me. When 85% of adjudicated youth are functionally illiterate. We're eating, we're either feeding the pipeline to prison or the pathway to promise. Right. It's it's pretty binary, right? It's high stakes. And so when we know it's that high stakes, whether it's a young girl in India who could be the next prime minister if she had the opportunity, or it's somebody in the third ward here in Houston. Agreed. We know it not only changes lives, literacy saves lives. Agreed, agreed, 100%. And that comes a full circle to what you said, early identification and early um, intervention. And I, I know that there is there there is research out there that supports that if by third grade, 
a child doesn't know how to read or is, in the, is on the pathway to becoming a good reader, we are potentially feeding them into the prison system, right? That's exactly right. So, you know, that's why that early identification intervention and providing those resources become so critical um, yes. in the school system. And, and just looking at the sheer economics of what it costs to house a prison inmate, I know it's not that simple, it's that there's just literacy, but I, I'll give you this example I heard from a colleague from another nonprofit who serves juvenile, uh, pre-adjudicated juveniles. This young man went to his school district to re-enter school. He's a special ed kid. I, I promise you, I already know, I haven't, I haven't assessed him, but I know this kid has literacy problems. They wouldn't receive him. They mm -hmm. sent him away. He gave up on himself. The next day, he commits armed robbery. Now he's in the pipeline. That's yeah. unacceptable. That is a that could be my son. That could be anybody's son. Right. And and so when people are overcome with shame, they feel these horrible inadequacies. They, it's it's like bearing the shameful secret. I can't read. And and so. I truly believe at times people cast off a vision for themselves. They they give up on themselves because they don't have the sense of hope that there's something better, that they can defer gratification over here because I have something better waiting for me over here. Right. And 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 that is absolutely essential to hope in a knowledge economy. Agreed. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, I was well into my teaching career before I found out about Nye House. I, you know, essentially had to move to Houston to find out wow. um, what a powerful. And that was. It's been twelve years at this point. But you know, having been a teacher and have you know having taught for several years, I I don't think that it's it's fair that a a gem like Nye House should be hidden. Uh, and so I have personally benefited from several workshops, not just as a reading specialist, but even before I embarked upon a, a reading specialist job as a reading teacher, a regular reading teacher for, re for the regular classroom kids. So I, I want to say I don't want to discount Nye House and its capabilities to just those with reading difficulties, just those with dyslexia. I think that these tools that you provide are are equally good for the regular classroom, equally good for the regular kids out there. And they're so tangible, which is what which is what makes them so powerful. You know, and that's exactly our experience. So whether we are in the Valley, in Harlingen CISD, one of our lighthouse districts, mm -hmm. whether we are in Appalachia, mm -hmm. whether we are in Ohio with a 100% African-American school that had been failing for almost a decade, we see double digit growth, quick growth and sustainable growth. Right. And we focus on strong first instruction, apprentice, apprenticing those teachers to get it right. And then they're more likely to identify those red flags for dyslexia early. Right. And with the districts we are the we have the best traction with, they, they ensure tier one, two, and three are completely aligned. So there's a, a, a literacy safety net no matter where that kid lands. They're not going to let them fall through the cracks. And when they line those arrows up that way, it's amazing how many superintendents I've heard say, we are recapturing funding we have been spending on intervention services because now we're getting reading right the first time. 
I can focus on enrichment for my high poverty kids and not just intervention. Right. That's the dream for me when I hear that come from a superintendent. Right. And, and I think you've answered my, my final question, but I, I'm still going to ask, okay. what is your vision for Nye House going forward in the next five, 10 years to come? Where do you see Nye House um, going from here? You know, that's such an amazing question. And I will tell you, um, I'm knocking on 60 in December. And I think about the time I have left, you know, tomorrow's not promised to any of us, but as far as dedicating my life to literacy, it is my, it's my mission field. It's my calling. As far as my house is concerned, I have to go back to what I was doing before I came to my house. Mm -hmm. So I was over curriculum instruction and assessment for the seventh largest, largest district in the country, right here in our own backyard. And I didn't know about my house. Oh, wow. <laughs> How ironic is that, right? And I did make some good leadership moves, but there were things I didn't know. And I needed that shoulder partner who could come alongside me and help me work around the politics to do what was best for kids. And so I love supporting and serving leaders as a shoulder partner, because what they need to do often, when they're really ready to benefit, they're willing to sit down with me and be vulnerable and say, look at this data. Only 64% of our kids are kinder ready. This is not acceptable to me. What do I do? So what we want to do more of is unpacking how they're using time, how they're using talent, mm -hmm. and how they're leveraging funding. Because when they look at it, often they'll see things and they'll go, as we ask them clarifying questions, why are we still doing this? Or this is malpractice. We don't need to do the three queuing method anymore. We need to strategically abandon some of these things. So when we work with them and they can pull things off of the plate, it creates room for new nourishment for the system. Right. And the system doesn't end up in initiative overload. That way they can be very clear with principals and, and teachers who can also participate in the process of designing multi-phase, multi-year work, what it is and what it is not anymore. And when there's clarity, I love Brene Brown, she says, clear is kind. Yes. When clear, we're being really kind and supportive and showing outgoing concern for the people we're serving as servant leaders. And so when we roll the initiative out, it's data-driven, it's clear, and it's multi-phase. It's addressing all those tiers of instruction and, and whether we're working with the state department, which we've done our first state department over the past year and a half, or it's a district or it's a school. We want as many points of light as possible. Lighthouse state departments, lighthouse districts, lighthouse schools bring hope to others. When they see it, you're serving the same demographic I'm serving and you are 95% kinder ready in the valley. Wow. What are you doing? And then they come and they want it too. And then we can just, they're now in sustainability mode and we can say, you're a lighthouse. We're going to the next and the next. And the next could be India. Who knows? There's no ceiling on my house, in my opinion. Uh, that's I, why I, I have to say the best is yet to come. Yes, I agree. Thank you for, for sharing such a powerful message and, and opening your doors and resources uh, through this webcast and podcast. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you for the honor and having the opportunity Absolutely. and sharing the message. Thank you. And, and um, I appreciate your leadership because influencing from the middle is a powerful thing. 
And that's exactly what you've done through this conversation today. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Whedon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Education Redefined. We welcome feedback. Join our Facebook group to leave a comment or a question. We look forward to hearing from you. Until then, stay tuned for our next episode.